0: In the spirit of reconciliation, Siren Sport acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today.
1: Hello and welcome to episode six of the Siren podcast, I think. I am co founder Gemma Bastiani, and I'm excited to be joined today by two of my fellow co founders. Hello, Alison Smirnoff and Kirby Fenwick. Hello. Hello.
2: Nice to be back. Yes, it's been a bit without you. <laughs> I've been busy. Sorry, guys.
0: It's also weird not hosting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel in a weird, at a weird level of control over you right now, Al. I know, it's like you're on a power trip or something. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like me. Um, Kirby, you've been uh, away from the pod for a little
2: bit. Can you tell us why you've been busy? Um, I've been prepping for my honours research. So um, yeah, setting up some interviews and some chats with um, some pretty amazing women. Um, So my honours research is about women in sports journalism in Australia
1: amazing awesome I'm really excited for you but also (laughs) I don't
2: envy all of the work that goes into (laughs) look this is the fun part Gem um so the hard part is uh next year when I actually have to write something that says something about (laughs) all the all the conversations that I've had so uh, but enjoying the beginnings of the fun stuff which is all the interviews um that I'm going to get to do
1: It's funny that you say that because before we started recording, I was just complaining to Al about all the assignments I have due for my own post-grad studies and how much I hate it. So I'm glad you are taking the positive approach while I am very much taking the negative approach.
2: Yeah. Come talk to me in about eight months, I reckon.
0: (laughs) And I just drew a line like no post-grad study for me. Thanks.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No. We, we all make our choices. Yeah, I'm very comfortable yeah. with mine. <laughs> <laughs> and I very much regret mine. So um, it is what it is. It'll be done <laughs> soon enough <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that I won't complain about it anymore. Um, anyway, today we're here to chat about something Siren related, something in particular that the two of you headed up for us very early in Siren's days. Um, way back when, the start of 2020, just after we launched Siren, the two of you made your way out to a particular woman's house, particular female athlete's house, uh, to speak to her, and a few different pieces were born out of that conversation, weren't they?
2: Yeah, so um, Al and I went to chat to Anne Gordon, um, who is a pretty amazing woman. She kept in the Australian team, was the first um how do I phrase this? The she was the captain of the first Australian team to play at Lords, cricket team. 90, cricket team, yes, back in the in uh, 1976, I believe it was. Um, yeah, Al and I went out and were very, very lucky to be able to sit down and have a chat with Anne. Um, Al videoed um, videoed that chat, and so we were able to put together. Um, a video of Anne talking about her experiences. Um, and then we also um, wrote a story up as well. So um, yeah, really, it was a really, really exciting project. I don't know how Al feels about that, but that was, that's one of, still one of my highlights um, from all the stuff we've done with Siren so far.
0: Yeah, absolutely. For me too, because it was um, in the before times when um, you could actually, <laughs> you could actually visit people in person and I was able to do my <laughs> my first love, which is video production, which I have not really been able to do um, in that way because of uh, because of COVID. So yeah, it's really um, special to me too, Kirby. Like it was really um, it was such a privilege to speak to Anne and and hear those stories. And because I, I, I did um, have a look over the article and, and the video that we made, and you know, playing at Lords, they thought they'd made it. They thought that that was they're about to ride the crest of the wave, um, but then it kind of didn't eventuate. Um, So I'm really glad that we got to tell her story.
1: So excuse my ignorance, because when this all happened, I was very much distracted, probably by football, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> how did it come about? How did it happen that you went to Anne Gordon's house?
2: It was a lead up to the T20 World Cup. Um, and I don't know if anyone knows this about me, but I'm really into the history of women's sport. <laughs> Did not um, know. <laughs> I am shocked. I am shocked to hear that, Kirby. <laughs> Um, And I was really keen to do, you know, take a historical perspective, um, you know, maybe talk, talk to some ex-players or some, some women who had been um, – you know, involved in the history of the sport you know had and had participated and and made a huge contribution to getting women's cricket where it is today which is i mean a pretty good spot um still some work to do but pretty good spot um yeah i was really keen to sort of go back and and have a talk to them and and see what they had experienced and what their memories were and um you know their i guess their reflection to on the world cup which know we were all building up to so excited about it It was this like huge amazing thing that was coming and um we reached out to the pioneers who are a I guess they're like um they're a group of ex-players but also um they're very invested in uh recording the history of the game and making sure that all these stories are, are kept and told and shared um if you follow any of their work on Facebook they're always sharing um amazing photographs or you know old stories or pictures of, of players and things like that it's really great fun so we reached out to them and they actually put us in touch with Anne and um yeah then we were able to get out there and and have a chat with her which was amazing she was amazing <laughs> <laughs> and when
1: you were there obviously you, you had the conversation all that sort of stuff but Anne had a A really nice kind of scrapbook I guess of a lot of newspaper clippings and photos of that time too right
2: yeah she she, I think she did she pull these out after the interview Al like we had done the interview
1: yeah yes she did yeah she she
0: pulled them all out afterwards it was amazing but I also want to jump in because I think we chatted to her for like it was at least an hour and 20 minutes and Mm. we the only reason we had to actually stop the video recording was because I ran out of space on the card. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, yeah, it was a long chat, it was a um, long chat. <laughs> But yeah Anne pulled out all these Anne pulled out all these um, photos and newspaper clippings um, which were amazing. Like I'm so obsessed with all that stuff. It's just so much fun to look at. But she had talked because she had told Alan I this story about this photo that had been taken of them when they were in um, playing a game. Before they played the Lord's game, they were playing another game. I can't remember exactly where it was, but um, the Australian team were in the dressing room, um, getting changed, ready to play, and a photographer um, sort of snuck in past whatever security was not there or or was um, supposed to be there. And actually took a photo of them when they were, they were like in the process of getting changed and that photo was plastered all over the front pages of the papers you know in Australia but also in England and she actually had like yeah the newspaper cutting of that um, and that actually when she was telling us the story she was talking about how you know when they got to Lords, they had that in the back of their mind and they were like you know they were worried about you know what they were doing when they were sitting on the sidelines or you know on the field and it sort of um, made them a little bit, yeah, they sort of just carried that moment with them and it made them just, I don't know, a little bit like uncomfortable in their own skin because they didn't know what people were taking photographs of. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that was, a, that was a story that has really stayed with me about, um, you know, because these women weren't professional athletes. They were, for all intents and purposes, amateurs, I guess. They were just still playing in the national team, but they had to pay their own way for the most part. And. Um, you know take time off work or quit jobs to be able to play it's it's not like um, now when you get pa- when you can be paid to be a professional cricketer um, although you know that's that's not everyone's luxury but um, yeah that was a story that really really stuck with me and when she pulled the fo- the clippings out and we seen them yeah I think Al and, Al, Al and I whipped our um, cameras our phones yeah. out so fast <laughs> to take photos of them.
0: Yeah and that that story added to um, when Anne describes actually them playing at Lords, and, and we, we talk about it a lot now and, um, and sports facilities and how they're female-friendly and things, but they were, they were very aware of the fact that they were in a space that was not made for them and they put Hessian covering over the urinal. Um, there was one actual toilet which was down the corridor that both teams had to use. Um, they weren't sure how to get from the change rooms to the ground because they weren't allowed to walk through the long room because they're women. But the Australian team ended up doing that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I love that part. <laughs> um, so, so that that being being at the ground, being in a space that they're already not feeling welcome in, coupled with something that's happened a couple of days earlier where they're getting changed and it's been plastered all over the papers. Like no wonder you know, perhaps the occasion got to them and they didn't perform on field. Like if you're already feeling unwelcome in a space and you've had yourself in your underwear plastered across the newspaper, like just incredible.
1: <laughs> that, that concept yeah. of women not not being allowed in a room because they're women at a sporting facility that's not a change room is so odd to me. I The other day I was... I'm very strange. I think we've established this. But I was sitting there the other day. I'm like, it's so weird that girls get stopped from playing sport. Like, it just, like, was this thought that came over me. was like, it's just really strange, right? Like, it is, right?
2: It is really strange. Um, You know, I mean, you talk about the women not being allowed in that sort of long room at Lord's. But, I mean... Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong here but women weren't, women weren't allowed to be members of the MCC until the 1980s Yes, also correct So like they... this this is like um, you know these things are ongoing um, and they're such a big part of the history and I, I for me why it's so important to tell these stories is they add so much in context um, it's very yes. easy for people to be dismissive and say, um, you know, women didn't try hard enough, or they didn't, you know, sacrifice enough, or or all these other ridiculous things. But those statements miss the broader context of the situation. Like Al said, they weren't they weren't really welcome in that space. Mm. They were given access to that ground because the men's team that um, normally played there had not made the finals, <laughs> and so it was empty. Um, but there was. They weren't welcome in that space and I think that's a really important part of the story and talking to people like Anne and sharing her experiences and her stories adds that much needed context context to that history mm. it's it's so much um more layered and and deeper and um it's so important to tell those stories I know that I say this all the time to you guys <laughs> this is not a new statement from me but it is really really important to tell those stories that's the thing as
1: well, isn't it? Like you, people think about sport in the context of men playing sport and, you know, you sacrifice your lifestyle to keep your body in shape and make sure that you're fit and make sure you're achieving the highest or improving skills. But women have to do that as well as f- try to find space where they're not welcome or try to fit it amongst x y and z try to manage their bodies through a pregnancy to return like there's this extra layer of sacrifice that women have historically had to um give that men haven't when it comes to their ability to play sport right
2: yeah i mean they had to sew the patches on their own jumper on their own jackets (laughs) like i mean yeah stuff like that you know i mean (laughs) ann told us that she had to um you know when she i think when she first Played her first state game for Victoria, she had to pay her own fare to get yeah. to WA to play that game. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, that's that stuff is like just mind boggling. Like to think that you are playing for a state team and yet you've got to sew your own, your own patch on your own jacket and you've got to, um, you've got to pay for the train ticket yourself.
1: Like, <laughs> It's funny that you bring that up as well, because I won't talk about the exact context of what we were discussing, but there are examples of, you know, having to apply your own sponsor logos to your uniform happening now in women's elite sport. Yep. (laughs) Al's laughing. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But that's still a thing that exists that people don't even consider that women have to add to their task list even.
2: Yeah, and I mean... This is, yeah, again, why it's important to tell these stories because it's 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 about that um, that historical narrative and it's about our sort of our cultural narrative and how we form our ideas and our mm. opinions and our understanding of things. And if we form that um, understanding uh, without all the details, well, then there's going to be some big gaps in our understanding and our knowledge. Yeah. And. Yeah, that's why we've got to keep, yeah, sorry, I'm just harping on now. I just Tell get this tattooed the on my stories. have just uh, got to keep telling those stories.
0: Absolutely. But Kirby, there's something like an observation that you made last year. Was it last year? 2020. What is time? Um, <laughs> Who knows? 2020 was last year. <laughs> yeah. And um, the pandemic hit and the world stopped and sport across the world stopped. And your observation mm. was, well, no live sport was being played, so all the nostalgia pieces came out. But they mm. were all to do with men's sports, So they were classic mm-hmm. games from, you know, year blah, blah, blah. But it was all surrounding men and men's stories because that's all that's been captured. Um, mm. So, again, we, it's really important that we tell the stories.
1: <laughs> we did a piece on that as well and actually tracked the numbers.
2: Yeah, we, we absolutely did. But the stories are there, which is why I find it so frustrating. Like it was so easy for us to get, get in touch with Anne and go and talk to Anne. Yeah. And she was delightful and more than happy to chat to us. She was so amazing. Um, the stories are there. Like I'm going to do something which is ridiculous in the context of a podcast, but I'm holding up a book right now, <laughs> um, which is called Wicked Women, and it's about... Um, women's cricket in Australia and this was published I think in the 90s and this book is like over an inch thick like there are so many stories and amazing stories there that if you do want to go on that nostalgia trip like it's not hard to find them mm. um, it, but it is a little bit harder than what it is to find stories about men's sport history because like you said oh, they've been so documented and they've been televised and there's been all these books and stories and everything already written, so it's a lot much easier to go back and tell those stories. It's a little bit harder with women's sport, but not that much harder.
0: Yeah, it's not I mean it didn't it didn't take much really. All we needed to do was drive to Anne's house and she had all the gold in her home.
1: (laughs) Well that's the thing as well, isn't it? If we as an under resourced tiny little platform can do that why aren't the bigger platforms doing that as well? Um, can I can I turn the conversation uh, quickly here?
0: No, we're going to keep talking about history. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's what I signed up Kirby, for,
1: Gem. We, we should have Kirby's History Corner on the podcast each yes, each episode. Absolutely. Kirby has a little History Corner. Um, <laughs> not to put any more work on Kirby's shoulders, but, you know, if the people want it, Kirby, the people will get it. <laughs> um. The, the pieces themselves coming together. How, how did the two of you coordinate um, those pieces? So obviously there was a video and then there was a written piece. Did you both work on both or did you kind of take one each and work on them separately? How, how did that happen?
2: I definitely left the video stuff to Al. <laughs> yeah. She's the video <laughs> supremo not me. Supremo.
1: <laughs> yeah I think
0: well I think the first thing um, the first thing we did well, when I got home I, I basically I, I grabbed the audio and sent that to Kirby. (laughs) Um, And I think actually really helpfully you um, basically broke down the time codes for me about when she spoke about what. Um, And I think we decided on, because I mean, yeah, the video was like I said, an hour and 20 minutes. And I think the finished video that we put up was only about seven minutes long, but um, Mm -hmm. yeah, just deciding on which parts we were going to use for the video. I think we decided together. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It was collaborative in that sense, I think, but I definitely let Al do the heavy lifting in the actual editing of the video. <laughs> um, and then I think the, the written piece was really because um, there was just so much left. Mm. There was so much left from that conversation. And we just felt like um, let's do, let's do something else to tell a little mm. bit more of this story. And I think also because we had those photos too of um you know, Anne's photos and the newspaper clippings and things like that. And it was like, they had appeared in the video, of course, but, um, yeah, we just had so much left. Mm. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but when it comes to, um, you know, making content, um, (laughs) I I sort of feel like um, let's get the most that we can out of this story. So mm-hmm. we've got an amazing video with Anne talking about um, her experiences and, and her sort of cricketing story. And then we've got, um, you know, a great complimentary written piece as well to go with that that maybe delves a little bit deeper into her backstory. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it was kind of a no-brainer, I think, to do the both pieces. But the video went out first and then, um, and then we had the written piece a few weeks later, I think. I remember. Mm.
1: And now... After Dr. Casey Simons introduced this new topic, <laughs> a new section of the podcast while we were recording last time, I'm springing that on these two as well. Um, something joyful, something good from life recently. I'm going to go first. Uh, I, on when we record these on a Friday and they don't come out till next Friday. On Wednesday, I was at work and really, really wanted a pub meal. So I messaged my friend, our friend of friend of Siren, Cal Rowe, messaged her, said, do you want to go to the pub? We went to the pub, just happened to be next door to Al's house. So I messaged Al. <laughs> Al rocked up and we had a really nice, relaxing evening where I didn't look at a computer screen for a couple of hours. So that is my joy from this week. Who wants to go next? <laughs> well, nice Jim, one.
0: you've stolen mine, so... <laughs> I am going to have to say um, I went over to my mum's for dinner last night. And, um, oh, nice. Gemma's just broken her tooth on her glass. <laughs> um, yeah, I went over to mum's for dinner. I haven't been over to mum's house for months. Um, she cooked a roast. It was delicious. <laughs> and it was just really, really lovely to, to sit down and, and spend some time with my mum.
1: Amazing. Your mum seems quite cool too. My mom's very cool. Yeah. I, <laughs> I am obsessed with football
0: because of my mum. Yeah.
1: Famously wrote a letter to the Carlton board.
0: Oh, she's she's it she's at the letter writing age, let me tell you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Wait, like, what's the letter writing age? Because I do that now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Look, if, if Kath isn't happy about something, the board will hear about it.
1: <laughs> Good. Yeah. <laughs> that makes me really happy.
2: <laughs> How about you Kirby? Gosh, um, it's a big question feeling very put on the spot, but I would have, I will have to say, um, something that has been bringing me joy the last couple of weeks is my partner and I have been fostering a dog. Um, and she is just an absolute sweetheart. So that's been really nice to have her, um, just hanging out with us. Um, Yeah, we're going to have to say goodbye to her in a couple of weeks when she gets adopted. But, um, yeah, that has been bringing me an immense amount of joy, being able to just spend time with her and see her sort of um, come out of her shell and feel safe and and happy with us. Um, Yeah, that's been really, really lovely. She's very cute too. She's ridiculously cute. (laughs) (laughs) And she's got those, she's got those staffy eyes. So she looks at you like she's the most, um, you know, she's never been fed. She's never been (laughs) hugged in her life. You know, she's got those sort of like big brown sad eyes. Um, So she gets a lot of treats. (laughs) I can imagine
1: uh, anyone living with uh, Kirby and Alex uh, would automatically get a lot of treats.
2: This is a very treat friendly house.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We refer to it as treat positive. It's a treat positive house.
2: It's a treat positive house, (laughs) which you guys will all discover when we finally, when I finally can have everyone over to my house and cook your dinner.
1: I've spent the past 18 months messaging Kirby on Instagram, desperate for her to cook me dinner. 18 (laughs) months of it. It's got to happen. Got to the bar
2: is really high. I'm actually terrified now that I'm going to have you over and you're all going to say, this is terrible, Kirby. This is bad food. And then you well, I mean,
1: I mean, we wouldn't say it directly to your face. We'd say it
2: <laughs> to each to other. Good to know.
1: <laughs> and on that note, uh, should we wrap this one up? <laughs> sure. um, thank you, Alison and Kirby, for joining this edition of the Siren Podcast.
2: No worries. You're very welcome.
1: Uh, this has been the Siren Sport podcast. Uh, go and find us online. Wherever you get your podcast, just search Siren Women in Sport or find us at sirensport.com.au. We're also very active on Twitter and Instagram, siren underscore sport. And you can sign up to our newsletter via links on any of those things that I've just mentioned.
2: Was there anything I've missed? I would just encourage everyone to go and um, watch Anne's video and, and read Anne's story do that
1: we'll link that in the show notes below um but until next time next friday uh enjoy enjoy sport really i guess yes. i'm never going to be allowed to do an outro and again. pub meals
2: and dogs <laughs> yes.
1: and pub meals and dogs yes yeah, <laughs>